1: Lord Jesus, as we come to this broadcast of Pilgrim's Progress, I want to pray what's on your heart. Lord, I'm concerned about families, about their finances. I'm concerned about those who are under great stress. And are living in great fear. But Lord, beyond that, pardon me, Lord, I'm concerned today about the children. I know that's on your heart. For it's so easy when mom and dad get under pressure that the kids begin to act up. And then mom and dad come down hard on the kids when it's their stress that's creating the family's difficulty, not the children. And then, Lord, the uncleanness, where fathers begin to abuse the children sexually, or where other adults in the family, begin to mistreat the children. The ones who are trafficked, abused. Lord, today, the babies are killed in the womb. The little ones are abused, yelled and screamed at, trafficked, beaten, told their nothing. Lord, you love the little children. You said, let the little children come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. So, Lord, today I join my heart with others we're very concerned about the children's war- welfare in all of this lockdown and all the trauma as they're not in school. They're not in their usual safe places. Lord, would you guard the heart of the children today? Lord, would you step in and guard carefully your children and protect them and preserve them? Lord, please, hear the cry of your children today. And today, Lord, on this broadcast, would you come and move in power? And would you bring the hearts of men and women to a much deeper place than they've ever been before with you? Would you awaken us? Oh, my God, would you awaken your church out of the the slumber? the sleep, the casualness, the sinfulness. Lord, would you come today and would you revive your church? Would you resuscitate your church? Lord, we've been filled with false teachings. We've been filled with all the entertainment of the church. We've been filled with the casualness, the social mix of of foolishness. Lord, there needs to be a sobriety in your church today and a care for the children. Lord, would you come and meet us today? I pray in your holy name. Amen. I want to read for you a passage of Scripture. It's found in Philippians, the third chapter. I'm going to begin reading in verse 7. I'm sharing this because I'm going to try to talk about a much deeper place than many of you have ever known. A place that I am constantly striving to enter. And I'm inviting you to strive with me to enter this place it is called a place of sonship and not of slavery now many of you have served the Lord some faithfully, some a little here and a little there some of you have worked on the deacon's board or you've even been a pastor but you've had a separate life You've had a hidden life, a life where you pleased yourself, a life where you could pursue your own love. There's a much deeper, a much deeper place that the Lord's calling you to. No, I'm not concerned about the COVID-19. I'm not concerned about the shutdown. I'll let others be concerned about that. I'm concerned about how you stand with the Almighty God of Heaven. I've spoken to people this week and some of them after speaking with them I didn't know what to say. I felt like they couldn't hear me. Like I was speaking another language to them and so I just quit talking. And finally, they were ready to hang up. On the other hand, I've spoken with some who are very earnest about Jesus. And they don't think they've arrived. They're pressing forward. They're caring for the the broken. They're taking care of of the sick. They're using all that they have to pick up the poor. There's a place that I want to lead you to if you'll follow. It's a place where the Apostle Paul wants to take us. It's a place where Jesus wants to take us. I'll speak to you about that place, and I'm praying that you can have discernment. understand Philippians the third chapter Paul is going to speak about a place he wants to go it's not a place that is being hindered by his sin he's not walking in any known sin it's not a place of slavery it's a place of sonship I want to take you to that place. Philippians, the third chapter. I'm going to begin in verse 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That word knowing is the same word we use for intercourse between a husband and a wife. It is a place of complete intimacy. He's saying, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of intimate intimacy with Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And this is not, by the way, my brother, my sister, this is not imputed righteousness. This he's speaking of as imparted righteousness. Verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power, the dunamis, the dynamite of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Paul is saying, look, I want to share in the sufferings of Jesus. Why? Well, because any man who turns away from the world will be persecuted He'll be called a fanatic. He'll be called all manner of things. He'll be scorned by the world and the flesh and the devil. And everyone who walks in the world, the flesh and the devil, will also scorn him. And that will bring suffering, rejection, castigation, criticism. Becoming like him that is becoming like Jesus in his death. So Paul is saying, look, I want to totally die for Jesus, and I know that suffering is the way to do that. That is sacrificing myself. Someone said yesterday something very profound. They said, when Jesus blessed the loaves, they were not his loaves. They belonged to a little boy. When Jesus blessed the bread at the Passover, it wasn't his bread. When he blessed the loaves on the walk to Emmaus, those were not his loaves. But he went to the cross That was his blood. It was his body that was nailed to that cross. When it really came time to count, he paid the price himself. He didn't ask you to pay it or me to pay it. He paid the price on Calvary. And he paid that price that we could somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul writes in verse twelve, this is Philippians three twelve, not that I've already obtained all this. He's saying, look, I haven't I haven't yet I haven't let I haven't yet lived into the fullness of this death that I'm called to or have already been made perfect He's saying, I'm not perfect. He's not saying I'm walking in sin. He's saying, I'm not mature yet. This work of God is not finished in my life. He's saying, there's a place that's beyond where I am. There's a place of sonship he's being called into that he hasn't fully walked into yet. And he knows it can only be walked into by paying the price himself. To die on the cross, to be crucified with Christ. Now, I'm saying this to you because I want to say this gently. There's some of you who think you're okay. You think you've arrived. You, you're doing okay. You're serving Jesus. You're even a do lost slave. You understand it. A due-law slave is what Paul called himself. A due-law slave is one who has no rights to the family, no rights to property, no rights to a wife or children. He has no rights, period. He is owned by the master. Paul calls himself a due-law slave. He's saying, Look, I haven't yet obtained this place that I'm being called to. I know I'm going to have to suffer to get there. I know I'm going to have to separate from the world, the flesh, and the devil. He's not talking about walking in sin. He's talking about so radically serving Jesus, so radically serving Jesus that he is no longer a part of the world system. He belongs to the Lord. He is a son in the kingdom of God. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, I hear people who, people that I love, people that i that i care about i hear them saying things that grieve my heart i hear them talking about what they want they want this they want to serve god this way they want to they want to do this for jesus that's not what it's about It's not about what you can do for Jesus. It's about what Jesus wants to do for you. And I hear people talking with pride about about their place in Jesus and, and how they love him. But then out of their mouth comes these words that just cut my heart to pieces about what they want. Now I'm going to be real straight with you. I want with all of my heart to be on the FM side of the dial. It costs a great deal of money. But you know what I really want? I want to know what Jesus wants. And I will not take one step toward trying to find a time slot and the money I know I could go to many people and I could ask them to help me go to the FM dial and they would give generously to help make that happen. I can't do that. Why? Because it's not about what I want to do for the kingdom of God. It's about what God wants to do with his kingdom. The kingdom doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jesus. I hear some of you talking about your work. what you want to accomplish in your own life, for your family, for Jesus. Please hear what I'm saying to you today. I don't want you and I don't want for me to walk in the darkness of human pride and desire. I want to walk in Jesus this is about walking it's about walking with Jesus and oh we're so busy we've got to do this and that and this and that and we need this and we need that so we cry out to God and ask please Jesus give me this give me that we stand and press God on oh Jesus I need this no, you know what I need? I need to be made a full son in Jesus Christ. I need through suffering to become like him in his death that I could somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. All that matters is what Jesus wants. It doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what suffering I must endure, working in a place I don't want to work, or going somewhere I don't want to go, or not doing something I want to do. That's not what the issue is. The issue is about what does Jesus want. Well, that's the introduction to what I want to say to you today. I'm going to go I'm going to go after this with you. Please stay with me. I want to refer you back to the story of Adam and Eve as they're in the garden and they make that dreadful mistake of choosing what they want. Eve wants the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the serpent has convinced her that God's holding out on her. Can I tell you something? God never holds out for you or from you. God doesn't operate that way. The devil operates that way. God doesn't hold back from you. He has a plan for your life. He wants something for you. More than you want it, But if you're sidetracked by what you think you want and the wisdom you want, you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what about Adam? Oh, Adam just wanted to please his wife. She was the most beautiful creature he'd ever seen. He loved her with all of his heart, and he just wanted to make her happy. And if she wanted to reach out and take the fruit and eat it, he was going to eat it too, even though God had told him, if you touch it or you eat it, you will die. No, he wanted to go with his wife. He wanted to please her. So he took the fruit and ate it. And immediately the presence of God, that wonderful connection between Adam's heart and Jesus was broken. We know it was Jesus in the garden who came to walk with him in the cool of the day because Hebrews, the first chapter, Colossians, the first chapter, the Gospel of John, the first chapter, all tell us that Jesus was the creator God of universe. All things were created by him and for him. So it was Jesus who was coming to personally court Adam and Eve as his wife. And they heard him walking in the cool of the day because he always came in the evening to see what they had done with their day, what they had planted, what they'd pruned, what they had done that day. He came to fellowship and loved them. Every day he came. And on this day, as he walked, he didn't find them. They didn't come running to him. Instead, they hid in the bushes. And he had to call out to them, Adam, man, where are you? Man, where are you? That's what Adam means. Man, where are you? And he answered, said, when I heard you walking in the, in the garden, I was afraid. And so I hid. The first time fear is introduced into the garden. There had been no fear in his heart up to this point. He was clean before God. He was loved by the Lord. He was the object of the great attention of the God of heaven, the Creator God, Jesus It would be many years before Jesus would come again and walk with twelve disciples, sleep outdoors with them. God came to his bride again, this time to pay the price to win them back. But fear was introduced in the garden, and so they hid. Why did they hide? Because there was darkness in their soul. The light of glory had departed from them. And now they walked in the dark. They had sided with the dark force of the serpent, the dragon, the devil, Belzebub. There was a woman that I have spoken of recently. She was taken in the early hours of the morning from an adulterous bed. Disheveled, terrified, she was dragged along and brought to the temple and put before Jesus. And they demanded that Jesus answer, The law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? The woman knew her life was right there. She's terrified. She's walking in the dark. Please hear me when I say walking in the dark and walking in fear are kissing cousins. When you walk in the darkness, you walk in fear. Fear is a sign that there is sin in your life. It's a sign that you have not been yet fully crucified with Christ. So she stands trembling before this crowd of men shamed by them Jesus bends down and begins to write I believe the sins of these Pharisees in the dust and as they're pressing him on come on tell us Jesus what do you want do we kill this woman do we stone her to death I'm sure she could already feel the stone striking her flesh she knew her life was over, and as they began to read what Jesus was writing in the sand, shame filled their hearts. Jesus said to them, "The one with no sin you you throw the first stone at her. Oh, they were all sinners. They all walked in the darkness. Finally, no one is left, and Jesus straightens up, and he asks this woman, Where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now, and leave your life of sin. This is the Redeemer speaking. He's going to die shortly for this precious woman. His blood is going to attend and atone for her sin. The Lord is going to open a door of hope, a door of love, a door of light streaming into the darkness. And he knows that this woman is going to have to walk away from her lifestyle. Jesus is calling you to walk away from your lifestyle of fear and your lifestyle of walking in the darkness. He's calling you to stretch, to come up higher. He's calling on you to waken as from a slumber and not be satisfied with where you're at on the journey. Verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people... This is the first thing he said after he released this woman. The crowds were there. They were listening. They were watching and they came for Jesus to teach them. And he said, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light that streams in and destroys the darkness. Jesus is the one who takes away the sin. He's the one who removes the fear from our hearts. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, in verse 34 of that same chapter, chapter 8 of John, he says this, If you hold to my teachings, this is verse 31, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is the truth to set us free from? The truth sets us free of the darkness, the truth sets us free of our fear, the truth sets us free from slavery. even the slavery of serving Jesus. We are not called to be slaves of Jesus. First and foremost, we are called to be sons and daughters of the Most High. And Paul's saying, I haven't yet accomplished all of that. Remember that passage over here? Philippians, the third chapter. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, that is, completely mature. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Jesus has taken hold of my life. Has he taken hold of yours? Do you push him away? Do you push Jesus away? Can you imagine a husband and wife, and they go to bed, and night after night the wife pushes the husband away? Or night after night they go to bed and the husband pushes the wife away? What would happen in that marriage? It would soon break. Are you pushing Jesus away so you can pursue your own agenda so that you can serve him in the way you want to serve him and go where you want to go and do what you want to do? Or are you willing to suffer with him? Are you willing to die with him? Are you willing to go after him? Because he's after you. He loves you. Now I tell you, When you open your heart to love and light, fear cannot live in you. When you open your heart to love and light, your face begins to beam with his glory. And he washes you and he makes you clean. And he saves you out of the darkness. Verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's the glory we're looking at. The glorious right of being sons and daughters of the Most High. Let me read Romans, the eighth chapter. I'll begin with verse 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You don't put to death the misdeeds of the body by, by the law, by trying hard. You put to death the misdeeds of the body by the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory, you cannot share in the glory of God if you refuse to suffer for the sake of the kingdom of God by turning aside from that which you desire and turning to what Jesus wants for you. Do you know how peaceful my heart is day by day to come to this broadcast and know that I'm doing exactly what Jesus has called me to do? That my heart is at peace with him because I'm where he sent me to do what he told me to do. I'm not ambitious about great things. I used to be. I wanted to do something great for God. I don't anymore. God wants to do something great for me. So now he's called me to walk humbly before him. And with all of my might, search after him. Go after him. Hunger after him. Humbly submit myself in prayer and supplication and fasting to his will. Now people tell me, Pastor, why are you doing this? Look, you you've spent your life doing this. Isn't it time to retire? Isn't it time to go live a little bit before you die? Oh, my brother, my sister, I'm living the most glorious life I can imagine. I'm after Jesus. And I want the fullness of sonship. It doesn't matter to me that people write nasty letters or notes or messages scorning what I do and what I say. Because I know who told me to say it and who told me to do it. I know things rise in my heart, and I say, man, I want that. But I want Jesus more. Now, please, I've come a long time on this broadcast, and I've told you to leave your sin. But today I'm coming and saying to you, my brother, my sister, there's a place way beyond leaving your sin that the Holy Spirit is calling you to. He's calling you into such intimacy with himself. He wants you to call his father, your father. He doesn't want you to pray to God. He wants you to pray to father, our father, our family. I'm a part of a family of God and we're all wanting to go the same place. We're wanting to achieve that resurrection from the dead. people have said to me, Pastor, why don't you just stop pushing and just know that you're a holy man and that's all there is. No, that's not all there is. There's that place in the heart of God that will bring me into the full sonship of God. And that's not going to happen until the full resurrection from the dead. That's what the Apostle Paul says. He presses on. It's another passage I want to share with you. It's found over here in Galatians. Galatians, the third chapter. These are familiar scriptures, but I want you to hear them at a deeper place than you've ever heard them before. Galatians, the third chapter, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 22, but the Spirit declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. That belief is not to simply intellectually say, oh yeah, I, I hear that, I agree with that, Jesus is Lord, are you kidding me? To believe here in the Greek means to be totally attached to, to be totally submitted to, to submit to Jesus. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be made righteous by faith, so that faith has come. We are now no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. Oh, do you see? Don't claim that you are a son of the living God until you have clothed yourself in Jesus Christ until you've entered fully into the suffering of not being a part of this world anymore and not being a part of the, the flesh or the devil's plan. But you have totally rebelled against the powers of darkness. You have left darkness. You have left fear. And you're now basking in the light and the glory of Jesus. And you are pressing on to take hold of that for which you were called. It consumes you. The gospel of Jesus consumes your greatest time and interest. You only do what he calls you to do. You only go where he calls you to go. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. You hear Paul's theology. Now he puts it into practice in different ways. But in Paul's theology, there's no difference between a man and a woman. They're created equal before God. Now their functions are going to be different. But they're one in Jesus. The curse of Cana, the curse of, of Eden is broken from them. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Chapter 4 What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He's subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, or Daddy, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you've known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You who are observing special days and months and seasons and years, I fear that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. Verse 19 My dear children, for whom I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. My dear children who listen to this broadcast, there's a place that you've not even yet imagined where God is calling you. A place of such intimacy and love, a place utterly without fear or darkness, a place of rejoicing, a place of suffering. (laughs) I don't like this, but I've only grown when I suffered for Christ when I'm comfortable and everything's going my way and I'm a happy camper and I'm doing my job in the world, I'm, I'm taking care of business, I'm just sliding right on through, I've missed it. I need to be actively, day by day, engaged in prayer and supplication and as he calls me to fasting I need to day by day be pressing forward with Jesus I'm to enter into his rest that is his place of repose that is his bedroom I'm called to be in the bedroom of God I'm called to know him. So again, I'm very concerned about those of you who are returning to your religion, your rituals, your prayer books. I'm concerned about you who are comfortable just going to church. Now you can't go to church. It's all shut down. It's on It's on time out. God wants to do something in your life. If you're going to be consumed with your work to make money, you've missed it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, that is his royal authority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you, things the pagans run after. How is it with you today? Is there a, a deadness in your heart? Is there a slowness in your spirit? Is there a, a pride? Is there a pride in your heart? I know I've not been able to describe this very well for you. For that, I'm sorry. I need more prayer and more supplication. I need more Holy Spirit presence. I have not fully taken a hold of what I'm trying to talk to you about. I just know there's a place my heart is hungry for that goes beyond stopping sin. I know there is a connection that needs to grow and strengthen in my heart that I could hear plainly and clearly and constantly the direction of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I want my sins removed. That's what forgive means, to remove all sin. That's not enough for me. I don't want that to be enough for you. Many of you have stayed right there just struggling with your sin, struggling with your sin, struggling with your sin. Stop! Let the Holy Spirit come and give you the victory. Seek after Jesus. Look fully upon his face. Seek him. Ask him. Knock on the door, the three loaves of the eleventh chapter of Luke. Eat that bread. It's the broken body of Jesus. And he will come and he will meet you. Almighty God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, would you have your way in every person listening to this broadcast right now? Lord, I know there's a a place of entire sanctification where even the wicked nature is utterly destroyed. Lord, I'm praying that you will call your people to a higher place today, to a place that is without fear and without darkness a place of rejoicing, a place of love. Lord, thank you. I love you. But more importantly, I know you love me, and I know you love your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to talk quickly with you about the end of the month when The radio bill will be due. And such miracles have happened. God's grace as people have you. you listeners as you have sent resources, even in this time of shutdown. So right now we're $438.92. That's the exact amount we're short. Could I hear from you? I thank you for those who have just responded in the last days. Go to NationalPrayerChapel.com. You can give online or you can go to the mail and write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley with Pilgrim's Progress. I love you, my brother and sister. You're loved by Jesus. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.